This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to the Ball on Blast podcast. And I said last week, Webby, this is the favorite time of the year for NBA fans. And the first round of the NBA playoffs so far have yet to disappoint. Once again, my name is Sheldon Alexander. I'm here with my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, how are you enjoying these NBA playoffs so far, my dude? You're so right. And I I thought coming into this first round that it was going to be a lot of chalk. You know, I thought that this first round was going to be going, you know, just the way that conventional wisdom had it. I thought that the Raptors were going to dominate. I didn't think the Bucks had it in them to make this a series. We got some seven potential seven game series here. I love it. Do you know what's been so fun, right? And I, I'm, I remember one of the things we talked about heading into the playoffs was even if it ends up being another finals where it's Cavs versus Warriors, right? Even if people will say that they're disappointed that it's the same finals all over again, the fact that we know crazy shit will have gone down to get to that point it might make up for the fact that we're getting the same finals. You know what I mean? People will be okay with that fact because it'll be so crazy for both teams to get back there. I was going to say that, I I was just going to say that if the Cavs and the Warriors meet in the finals again, then this playoffs is going to get even crazier than it's been already. Right? Like there's so much going on. the Cavs to make it all the way. For sure. And even, even what you said about, you know, whether it was, how the Raptors are going to dominate the the Wiz, right? Or even if you thought the Celtics would make quick work of Milwaukee, or whichever way you went with those with those series, right? The way that we're getting there has been hella entertaining. And you know, remove it and think of it differently from being a Raptors fan and then just being a basketball fan, right? If you're a Raptors fan, Raptors fans are probably shitting their pants because they're worried about going to another possible seventh game against a team that they should be able to take out in like five, right? But from terms of just being a basketball fan, man, some of those performances, what John Wall is doing, what Bradley Beal had a couple good games, but that series alone, just what's been going on there and watching the Wizards just talk shit, you know, and the Raptors talk shit back and it's just been back and forth and blow for blow and two home crowds going at it. It's been a really good series. So listen, the whole NBA playoffs has been really good. And my favorite thing that's been going on, and we talked a little about it last week, mm-hmm. is all of these rivalries that are really solidifying. You know, <laughs> yes. like Miami and Philly and Milwaukee and Boston. And it, we know that the, the, the Wizards and the Raptors don't really like each other, but these are really getting locked in. It is awesome. I'm surprised that James Johnson didn't end up punching someone or someone – you know what I mean? Like, I'm surprised that didn't happen before that series ended. I know it was only <laughs> yeah. five games, but there were a lot of points in that series where it was a very hard foul or just like – I was saying to McAuliffe actually yesterday that in pretty much every series – because I'd say the only series I didn't really pay much attention to really was the Warriors and Spurs series. And the Spurs. Right? Like I, I, I only saw one Blazers-Pelicans game yeah. just because they were on so friggin' late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you're an early riser nowadays, Webby. I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm an I mean, Eastern Conference guy. 
<laughs> I will say I did catch a lot of that Pelican series, but like the what I was saying though, right? Like the only series I didn't really get to watch a lot of was the Warriors Spurs. But in each and every other series, there were at least two or three moments where you had the hold me back or the really hard foul oh, yeah. and the coaches running off the bench to hold everyone back and separate everyone. Like to me, and I'll second what Charles Barkley said a lot, right? He was like, I love this because it's competitive, right? Like guys want it. And I know that we 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 talk down on it because it's obviously no one's ever really fighting in a basketball game, especially in the playoffs. But I at least like the competitive nature that, you know, when dudes are trying to stun on someone, it's like that that uh an episode of Atlanta earlier, right? Yeah, yeah. You're either stunting on someone or you're getting stunned on. Stuntin on. Right? Yeah. Like these NBA playoffs, nobody wants to get stunted on. And everyone's just kind of like, you know, they, they're not going to back down, right? Like the, the big thing I think of that's been the biggest surprise is Joe Ingles, right? And Joe Ingles not backing down from Paul George. You could not argue, a surprise. Not a surprise. Joe Ingles that, is good. No, but I'm saying it's not the fact that he's oh, good and he's moment. hitting shots. It's the moment. I'm saying, yo, he's hitting shots and then ice grilling Paul George and <laughs> yeah, talking man. shit to him. That's what I mean, right? Like, I know Joe Ingles can ball. I know he's one of those, like, glue guys. He's not going to be the best player on your team, but he's a very, if he's your number two, if he's your number three, he can knock down an open shot. It's all effort, yo, it's all hard. You know, I get it. You I'm know talking what it about is? Webby. He was bullying Paul George at points. Yo, you know what it is? It's Australians and New Zealanders. <laughs> okay, okay. You don't want to mess with them. That's fair. Think about it. Look, ben Simmons stared into the eyes of a man who's got a black belt. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He didn't really stare into his eyes. He didn't really, that didn't really happen. He was kind of looking away. At he smirked at him. I don't the other know. Stephen <laughs> Adams, Stephen Adams damn near broke his arm on a rim. Yeah. Like left for five minutes and came back. And now you got Joe Ingles talking smack to Paul George. I'm telling you, man, they're well, crazy out in, uh, I don't even know what you would call that part of the world. Because well, you can't call Australia New Zealand or New Zealand Australia. Otherwise, you get pissed. They will call, they will, that's beef, Webby. You can't do that's that. That's mad beef. <laughs> but so much going on. Let's, we'll get to those series later. But we'll, let, let's start with the Raptors here, right? Because. All right. The way that this series has gone, as we mentioned, everyone's held home court, right? And as we look at it now, by the time people are listening to this, the Raptors are either going to show a lot of nuts and win game six on the road, or we'll be heading to the traditional game seven at the at ACC home. once again. Yeah. Either yeah. way, like, what did you make of how the series went? Because most people were surprised that Washington was able to win Two very different games. One was a blowout. The other game, the Raptors kind of blew. But yeah. what did you make of how Washington was able to show up in this series? Like, very few people would have predicted, right? Well, there's a couple of things. Okay, so John Wall was coming off an injury. Uh, and obviously took a little bit of time to play himself into shape, into John Wall shape. And it looks like he's done that now. Yeah. Um, that we we've, we said when the playoffs started that trying to slow him down is going to be what the Raptors need to do. And if you can do that, if you can get Washington to play a half-court game, then you're winning the battle already. But, man, that is way easier said to, than done with John Wall. You know what happens, Webby? I think for me, sometimes I see John Wall, and, I'm, and it's a reminder, like some of the things you watch him do on the court, and you're just like, damn, this guy is really, really good. Like why – you know, I know he was hurt he can't this year. Shoot. 
but he's like the rest of the wizards, man. And but he's he like Brad to shoot. That's weird, no. But he's like <laughs> right. he's like Bradley Beal when he's not at home, man. That team cannot hit three pointers. They don't even yeah. take a lot of them, and it's just it's why I don't think that they're going to win the series. Like they might win game six and force game seven, but you're not going to beat this Raptors team if you can't keep up scoring with them by hitting open three-point jump shots. And when you're relying on a Morris twin to be your leading three-point shooter, now I know they have Beal and he's got a sweet stroke, but he has not been playing great on the road. Yeah, He's been having a couple of good shooting games uh, uh, at home in Washington, but you need a guy who's going to knock down that open three-point jump shot on the road. I also think, too, like Otto Porter Jr. has been dealing with some injuries, and he's playing through it, but I wonder how much. But he's not like, 100%, obviously, exactly. right? Which, which, I mean, it's a playoffs, right? There's a lot of dudes that are banged up at this point, you know, at a lot of different levels. Um, but the way that this series has gone down, obviously, we got to mention Freddie Van Bleet, right? And I think that we're we, heading into the playoffs, we knew that the Raptors bench was a massive thing for them, right? We knew that yeah. that was a key to their regular season and the unit. And we talked about, do you still play all of the people on the bench? And that was really the focus. What we didn't really realize was how things would work if you removed one of those pieces from the bench, the effect it would have on everyone else. And especially and the fact that it was basically the head of the snake or the head of the bench mob in Freddie. And the bench kind of struggled, No. Oh, absolutely. And again, like we kind of touched on this before about the Raptors as they like wound down the regular season was that, you know, they've got this system in place, but it's so beholden to the system that, you know, we were talking about, I think we were talking about it with Serge Ibaka yeah. at the time. We were like, yo, what if we put him in the, on the bench, uh, oh, we take yeah. him out of yep. the starting lineup. And it's like, can you do that? Can you really tinker around with that? Or do you want to stay the status quo that's been working for you for so long? And now, when the status quo gets disrupted via injury, it it's obviously taking its tool on the bench. But now, hey, you say that until DeLon Wright last night, who was an absolute friggin' superstar. It's so crazy because I really wonder what the Raptors. I wonder what the Raptors would have done in this series with a healthy Freddie, just because. You're seeing what DeLon has done in a couple games here where he, him and JV basically took over in the fourth quarter, right? It wasn't yeah. Lowry and DeRozan. And basically, that's how the Raptors ended up winning the game. And DeLon did a lot of it at the defensive end first, which I really think is, you know, not that Casey forgets about it because he's a defensive coach, but I feel like with his substitutions, he thinks, you know, CJ Miles ends up playing and you don't really see OG that much. Whereas OG does a lot of that little dirty work, right? And when John Wall's getting off in, in game three, right, and leading, or sorry, in game four and leading that comeback, maybe it would help if you had OG in the game as maybe another body to to throw at John Wall down the stretch yeah. or even to on the help defense, right? Just someone else whose sole f- purpose isn't just thinking about scoring, right? And you talked about DeLon Wright. It was one of those, we, we talked about the norm performance that you normally get in the playoffs. I think that norm's been replaced in terms of that that playoff moment and saving the butts of the Raptors. That was kind of replaced by DeLon Wright in this series, right? Oh, yeah. I, and especially in the last uh, in the last game. that The takeover he had coming down the stretch was, was really impressive. And now the whole thing is going to be is how does the bench react when... Fred is healthy enough, and does that 
take another little bit of time to get everybody acclimated back into that or for Fred to find his role in the playoff bench mob. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we've seen viz of him practicing and it looks like he's got to be at least somewhat close, but at this point I wonder, I wonder when do you bring him back? You know, like, is he going to, he's not going to be a hundred percent. So do you save that for game seven? You know, do you kind of just see if you can win game six without him? And hold them out, you know what I mean? Like it's a very tough decision for Casey to make, and with the yeah, way that Delon Wright's pl- cooking, I wouldn't, pl- I wouldn't play him in Game Six, right? I don't think I would either. I don't think I would play him in Game Six either. That's that'll be super interesting to, to see. But uh, one thing that kind of went under the radar in Canada, right? Because I mean, obviously we don't get first take in Canada, right? But, you know, the American fans—if we have American listeners—they would pr- probably know what I'm talking about here, but. Stephen A. Smith said that he was at the game. He was at game four. And the big thing that he was talking about was after the game, he was in the Raptors locker room. And his thing was, you know, while the outside world was probably panicking, like, oh, no, here come the same old Raptors again. He said the mood in the Raptors locker room, like, they were fine. He said Kyle Lowry and DeRozan were pretty much unfazed. They were just kind of like, yep, it was a blip, but... No big deal. They're not worried about it. Big picture. But also the big thing that he said was he asked him kind of what happened down the stretch. And he said Lowry just casually pointed to Fred Van Vliet. That was his response. And, you know, we're talking about missing Freddie and the effect that it would have on the bench. But the reality is Freddie was a big part of what they did down the stretch in to close out games as well. Right. So it would be a learning curve for Kyle and DeMar to adjust without Freddie. And that's what DeLon took over in game five. Yeah. You know, was that little piece. And how about that lineup when they put DeRozan, Lowry, DeLon, JV, and who was the other? Was it OG last night in the fourth quarter? Well, the thing, the the big thing from that, though, Webby, was that JV was just getting fourth quarter minutes, which never happens, right? And, And playing really well. But that's what I meant early on when we talked, I guess it would have been over the first couple games, right? And heading in and everyone was talking about, oh, the Raptors played 13 players or they played 11 players or whatever. And I said, we need to focus in on what are the actual big time contributions we're getting from the bench? Because it's fine to say, hey, Norm played five minutes, but what does that really mean in the grand scheme of things, right? Like five minutes rest isn't really helping CJ Miles or... DeLon right. or Kyle. Do you know what I mean? Or Bebe's 10 minutes in the fourth quarter out of nowhere. It's like, why not play JV? He doesn't need the rest. He's not playing 40 minutes a night. Right? And I think finally turning over the keys to Jonas Valanciunas, who improved a lot. A lot of the things he would get flack for, you know, whether it was defensive rotations or whether it was Being missing those chippies the under the basket. He's improved, no? He has improved. and he's. But you know what? Playoff JV is a thing that uh, started a little while ago, though, too. Let and, JV cook. Yeah, man, absolutely. <laughs> it's like he – yeah, it's like he turns – he gets meaner in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of meaner, uh, I don't know if you saw this quote earlier today, or I guess it was from after the game, but your boy Kelly Oubre Jr. doing some trash talking as the Wizards obviously are feeling a lot more confident as they head back home. But this from the Washington Post, Kelly Oubre Jr. said, the next game is a different story. We're back at home. Just like DeLon doesn't play well anywhere else, you know, other than at home. Oubre said, 
Shots fired, but like, is Kelly Oubre really the one that should be talking that talk? Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> hey, Kelly Oubre hit a couple three pointers, and then wasn't maybe Ke- we could talk. Wasn't Kelly Oubre the same guy that you know when Drake was talking all that noise? Drake called, called him, him a bum. A bum. Was yeah, that game yeah. one or game two? Drake called him a bum, and then they asked him about it after, and he was like, oh, no, that's my guy. And now you're going to talk tough to DeLon, <laughs> but Drake, you're just like, oh, no, that's my guy. It's like, what? This guy's calling you a bum on national TV, and that's totally cool because it's Drake, and you guys hang out in L.A. in the offseason. But, like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, It's one of those old man get off my lawn moments, Webby. But I really feel like I, I don't get it. I don't understand what's going on here. So what do you like for the rest of the series? You think the Raptors are going to win game six? To be honest, and I'm, I'm talking as the Raptor fan here, I was so disappointed by how they lost those two games in Washington. Like, cool, let Washington take one. I get it. You get blown out in the first game, whatever. But you cannot lose that second game in Washington. And that really left me, as a fan, very disappointed in the Raptors just because you're 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 thinking, okay, this year is different. They're the number one overall seed. Washington is not a good team. Barkley again was quoted as saying that they probably have the worst half court offense in the entire NBA when you watch them play because it's just John Wall dribbling and everyone else just standing around and literally yeah. just standing around in a corner watching him dribble. And the Raptors blew that game, but not only did they blow it, Webby, but Bradley Beal fouls out with what, like five minutes left? Yeah. And then the Wizards play a five-man unit that had never played a minute together for the entire season. (laughs) And those five guys end up out-dueling the Raptors in crunch time to win a game? Nah, that that just wasn't a good look. And I I know that I'm still confident the Raptors win this series, but... I was being told that this playoff is it's about bigger it's bigger picture, right? Yeah. There's bigger things on the agenda. So messing around with Washington in the first round, not a good look for those aspirations if you want to talk about Braun Braun in the next round. What'd you well, what do you think? Uh, listen, I think that they're gonna win game six. Uh, yeah, they did. They really did blow it. That was their that was their chance. If if that kind of uh flip flops last night Mm-hmm. You know, not only is it the, I, I think, the end of the Cavs' playoff run, but who knows, it could be the end of LeBron in Cleveland. Oh, but, for sure. But after he hits the shot and then jumps on the table, and just the reaction of the crowd, uh, I, I thought to myself, I was like, I don't think he's going to leave. Yo, you know, it's so crazy that you said that. Because that was the first time that I was watching this, and I was like, man, how could you leave after this? Right, yeah. like even if they lose in the finals again or whatever, lose to the Raptors, you know that okay, well this team still didn't really figure it out. You kind of made a hard left turn midway through the season to change your roster and at least make things a little bit better. But at the end of the day, you're still starting Jose Calderon in playoff I know, games and now. dragging, dragging <laughs> Jose Calderon and Kyle Korver and and right. even J.R. Smith just over the goal line. It's unbelievable. It is crazy, right? And you mentioned Kyle Korver. Go back to game three. Or no, Yo, I guess what would game, game. Which game was it that uh, they just won game, game five? So it was game four. Sorry. And he had a crazy game. Kyle Korver, I mean, the way that game four started, okay? Kyle Korver and Kevin Love couldn't hit a shot. 
The entire game came and went, and Kevin Love still couldn't hit a shot. But at the end of the game, the Cavs kept it close. And again, I'm talking about game four here. Kept it close. LeBron didn't sit for the entire second half. And then he ran. They called plays for two uh, two screens set by Kevin Love on back-to-back plays. They ran it the same, same play. Kevin Love sets a screen. Kyle Korver comes around, top of the key, bangs in two threes. Then LeBron hits a layup. I think he hit a layup and one. And it was game over. Series tied at two, right? Then we talked about the performance LeBron had last night. And he is, you're right, he's dragging these guys, Webby. Dragging. This, you, you asked this question in, before, out. didn't you? Is Which, this LeBron's worst? You asked this question before, didn't you? Is yeah. this LeBron's worst supporting cast? Yeah. I feel like you asked that, you asked that question before. It's, it's this and the Jamario Moon team. <laughs> Jamario Moon, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, the the numbers don't lie here, right? He's 33, 15th year. He played all 82 games. And somehow he's averaging 35, 11, and 8, Bro. shooting 55%, and he's logging 43 minutes a game. He doesn't have – this team doesn't have any secondary scoring. I still this, think some of this, this team's go. got this team's This team has third and fourth looks. Kevin Love, <laughs> Kevin Love's a great player, but honestly, like I really like Kevin Love, and I really think he's a great compliment to LeBron. But he's obviously hurt, right? Yeah, something's going on with Kevin Love because he just hasn't been hitting shots. Maybe that thumb. I know it was his left thumb, I, but and he who had knows a how leg that affects too. your shot. Earlier on in the series, he had a knee thing going on really quick, like a tweaked knee, and he stayed in the game. I think oh, yeah. he's, I think he's banged up, right? So I mean. Even at 100% healthy, Kevin Love is a second option, not a great sec- second option, especially when you're 33 years old and it's been 15 years in the league or whatever. But Kevin Love should still be able to get the Cavs 25 a night in the playoffs. No? Mm. Like, he should be able to, but they don't run sets, really, where they throw him the ball in the post, really. Kevin Love's plays or his shots mostly come off of either tip-ins or rebounds or him just standing in the three the three-point line and LeBron finding them. They don't really run much for for Kevin Love at all. And going back to game four, and it was a weird, weird game just because when you watch what LeBron was doing, it was weird. Like I was watching it thinking like his demeanor in this game seems so chill, so like yeah. blasé, kind of very passive. Do you know what I mean? Like, And then I looked up and at the end of the game, he had 32, <laughs> 13, and 7. And I'm like, wait a second. I watched this guy chill for the entire third quarter. And by chill, I mean he took – he. I think he had one point in the third quarter, right? And it wasn't until I want to say the three-minute mark in the fourth quarter where he got another bucket. And you would see plays – and you saw this too even in uh, last night's game, Webby, where he kind of is trying to cheat and get rest while he's on the floor. Yes. So he'll yes. throw the ball to someone like Clarkson and it's like, okay, Clarkson, go. Whether whether you hit it or not, I need a I need like a breather here, right? Yeah, like, no, you're. That's a really get, great point of of him because he has to be on the court, mm-hmm. like pretty much the entire game. He's got to be on the court, otherwise the Cavs are fucked. So, so they, what does he do? He goes out there and he makes his own rest. He can still be that. That's the great thing about LeBron is what what sets him apart from all, every other player ever is that his impact on the court isn't just with the ball in his hand. Yeah. You know, he's so good and he can do so much 
without the ball in his hand, even just being on the court is going to make his, especially this Cavs team, it's going to make this Cavs team better. Well, you're, you're so right. And it's just his presence, right? And even his presence on defense because he's chilling on defense and he's not helping a lot of times. But when he does, you know, say, okay, these it's crunch time now, you see him come across with those help defense blocks, right? But this is a stat. I was, I was telling you before we started recording this podcast, right? That I had a little stat to back up exactly what we're talking about right now, which was, hold on, is LeBron just chilling while also playing on the court, okay? So I got this, Webby, from uh, Queen Rachel, Rachel Nichols on the jump, okay? Big shout-outs to Rachel Huge Nichols. Huge shout-outs, Queen Rachel. Second Spectrum tracks how fast every player runs through the course of a game. So it's fast, medium, or slow, and, and slow is basically just walking, right? LeBron has spent 75% of his minutes walking, which is the most among any player in the league with 15 chances this postseason. LeBron James only spent 6.8% of the time going his fastest, okay? Right. Medium, meaning he's just like, you know, going at half speed, 18.5%. <laughs> yeah. That means he spent 74.7% of the time basically standing still. <laughs> Again, I'll remind you of his stat line, 32, 13, and 7, chilling how is this possible i don't even understand it right like isn't that the craziest thing you ever heard absolutely like but what's so unbelievable is that the effectiveness in that six yeah. percent you know <laughs> he's only going fast six percent of the time and he's still putting up 37 <laughs> points right like that's so efficient the efficiency on lebron james it's like it, it, it's funny too because we talk about the balance of we t we're here on the odd on blast podcast, right? We talk about it all the time. The slogan is unpolished and unapologetic, right? We're not really here to to like give you like super nerdy stats and break all that stuff down, but it is super interesting when you take things that you're watching on the court and you're seeing, right? And you're wondering like, is this really what I'm seeing? But then you see a stat that backs that up. I was still blown away by this. And again, I watched the game thinking, man, LeBron seems to be chilling and he's still like he's still doing it. And I saw those stats, Webby, and I thought, how does this guy do that? Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, man. I, You know what? I'm one of these old guys, too, who like grew up with MJ. He's the reason why I watch basketball. Mm -hmm. He'll always be the greatest. But, man, LeBron well, is... I mean, I don't know, man. You're adding another you're adding another big time moment into the LeBron GOAT resume, that's for sure. I mean, if he Which drags this what? team Which to the is NBA now finals, what, like a half hour? Like <laughs> I mean, hey, you're making a good point, Webby. I mean, if he drags this team to the NBA finals, and I know we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but you'll still have the people that will you know, diss him for losing in the NBA Finals if he makes it there again. I mean, it is like it's unbelievable that Jordan won every time he went, mm -hmm. and and that's unbelievable. But just in terms of overall career, of what at the end of all of it, what LeBron is going to have as his resume, it's going to yeah. be really tough to say that he's not. I mean, because he's going to break Kareem's scoring record, right? I mean, I would assume so, especially if he finds a way to go to a team or get more help, like, you know, more help than having Jose Calderon be the starter on your <laughs> team. I mean, 
if he does that and he finds a way to get easier baskets and stuff that he doesn't have to create all the time, who knows how much longer his career could be, right? Because right, right now he's still by far like the lead cog on a team. If LeBron ends up playing number two to someone, like if he's able to play the Chris Paul role, yeah. right? Like, man, you could add, what, four more high caliber years for LeBron oh, yeah. James at least? Oh, yeah. That, it's crazy. So we like we like Cleveland to close out that series in game six? Yeah, I like Cleveland to win that series in game six because I don't think – I think LeBron knows and sees the value in the rest, you know, and, and going to a game seven – Unless unless Indy comes out and the other thing that's getting overshadowed here is I know it was a goaltend, but Victor Oladipo was like two for fifteen in that game. Yeah, he, and he struggled didn't have a, the past few he, games. Yeah, past few games he hasn't been shooting well. Oh yeah, and so unless Indy comes out and blows them out in Game Six, I mean I I don't really think it's good news for them. I I, I think the NBA, the refs, I don't think they want to joke around with the possibilities of what could happen in a game seven either right but you know if we were looking ahead to a raptors Cavs series webby what would your early thoughts be just going off what we've seen so far not only this season but in the first round of the playoffs maybe cut the brakes on lebron's car <laughs> oh jeez. i mean uh, I, we we know we we've seen the story before has anything has anything really changed that much? Hey, They've, I'm they, the one from the start of the season, Webby. I've always said you got to be the man. You got to beat the man. All well, right. Hey, it's not about what I said. It's about going back to the end of last year's playoffs and playing the clip of Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan at the press conference when they said the difference in this series was they was they had LeBron James. If we had LeBron James, we would win too. The Cavs still have LeBron James. So <laughs> yes, they do. I, I've been saying for the whole year, and I have not wavered. I've told people to bring down their expectations and just ride the wave and enjoy the season for what it is. But I've told people I will not believe that the Raptors will beat the Cleveland Cavaliers in the playoffs until I see it. So that's that's all it is. But at the same time, I think the Raptors are better equipped to give them a go at least. right? And I look forward to that. I think that will be fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, switching gears here, we'll, we'll stick in the East and we'll just wrap up everything else that's gone on in the East. At the time we're taping this right now, Milwaukee's up nine heading into the fourth quarter. Oh, I really I want a game seven in that. Yeah, that game series basically looks like it will go to a game seven on Saturday night. And it's been back and forth. The home teams doing their thing in each and every game in the series. Uh, it's been really good, though. It's been really entertaining. Giannis is an absolute animal. And yeah. I, we'll, we'll get to your Sixers in a second, Webby, but the biggest, my biggest takeaway from this series has been if Milwaukee gets a real coach and next year when Gordon Hayward and your boy Kyrie comes back, yo, the East, and you add in the Sixers in that, like the East Ooh. is a problem problem, like a real, real, real problem. Nope. A lot of talent in the East. A lot of talent in the East. We still got free agency to come too, man. And you know that Miami is always, always, always in the mix to sign a big time free agent down there. Well, you feel like Kawhi is going to be in the mix somehow, some way, right? He, well, he'll be a Sixer, man. Yeah. <laughs> come on, Webby. Again, not everybody can be on the Sixers. Okay. <laughs> we can't. We can't get like Optimus Prime to like sign. <laughs> you know, I don't Just even be- know who else. 
just be happy with Bellinelli, okay? Be happy Yo. and chill with Bellinelli and mm. Ilya Silva, okay? Very happy with both. <laughs> Very happy with both. Uh, but yeah, so this series looks like it's probably going seven, and we'd have to give it to, I mean, if Boston doesn't come back and win this game and it goes to seven, I got to say Boston at home, right? Like, they got to be the favorites just because just, of that Listen, that crowd, the other thing is, too, I just want to say that I, listen, the Celtics were in trouble, but I want to say that I was the one that said when they get Marcus Smart back, it's going to be a big game changer. Yeah. And, yeah. like, they are so starved for a, for talent on that team. I mean, like, Al Horford, Jalen, and Tatum are great, but, like, after that, you're falling off a cliff. And say what you will about Marcus Smart, but he's a talented basketball player. And sure. when you add him into the mix with those guys, like, you, he's see, a you saw what he did in uh, in game five. Yeah, you're absolutely right. He's a friggin' gamer. He doesn't care. And you know what? Makes players better. Look at what the numbers that Al Horford put up in game five, too. Like, oh, yeah. did Al Horford score over 20 points? Like, holy shit. You're, you're right, and it's been so good to see for Boston, too. And, yeah, Marcus Smart is back, which eases a bit of the pressure off Terry Rozier because who knows how long that Terry Rozier wave was going to go because he <laughs> was just killing Bledsoe early in the series, right? And he's had a really good series, Rozier, but do you keep Rozier? Do you keep, like, long-term, right? Because you're going to have to make some decisions in Boston, and Rozier has had a great, great series, a great coming-out party. Yeah, man. But it's been a good look for the Celtics for sure, but it's also been an interesting look for the Bucs because we keep saying, right, they should be a much better team. And what we saw midway through, the adjustments that were made, we talked about Giannis moving to the five, but also they kind of unleashed, uh, what's our my guy's name, Thon Maker. I was oh. trying to think. I was like, Ooh. which long athletic guy am I thinking of here? Um, Thon Maker and Jabari. Absolutely. Jabari's been a factor off the bench, but Thon Maker, both ends of the floor. Crazy, no? Thon, you know, and uh, listen, I've been a longtime fan of Thon, uh, going back to his uh, high school days, playing in Ontario, Orangeville playing, Prep, right? Playing outside uh, outside of Toronto, man, dude. Is he's it got Orangeville sick, Prep. I think that's yeah, what it was called. That's right. He's got sick handles. He can shoot a little three, and he's got those. I mean, he's just a mutant out there, and how big he is. So he's great at protecting the rim, and I love that he got himself fired up by watching KG videos. Well, he said that KG actually called him and gave him a pep talk because oh, is he that was what struggling. It was? I thought he was watching videos of KG just giving motivational speeches. I didn't so realize he said that KG KG was like one of his like idols, and he got a pep talk from KG because he was struggling early on in the series and not really playing. And he said the pep talk was basically about how you got to stay ready and be professional and you know come in. It's a playoff, so you got to up your energy and come and bring that intensity. And what did we see in the next game? We saw Thon Maker everywhere blocking shots then you see him give the the primal scream to the crowd after blocking shots like and and that's what i really love about the playoffs right because there's just the things that you can't quantify right you can't quantify it's it's like kg said one of my favorite kg quotes of all time right he's like uh it's all about heart you can't just go to the he's like you can't go to the store and just buy a six pack of heart. It don't work like that. Right? Perfect. <laughs> it's like you you can't you measure that. You either got that it or you don't. You got it or you don't and you take it up to another level come playoff time. Some guys crave the moment, some guys want the moment and other guys 
shy away from it. It's been it's been so fun to watch these two teams go head to head. And I think at the start of this series, I called if I go back and remember what I said on when we made all the picks. I think I picked the Bucks in seven, just because I thought over the course of seven games, they'd be the more talented team. And your boy Putri, is that his name? I don't even know. Yeah, I still I don't know their coach's that. name. Couldn't and pick him out of the lineup. <laughs> he doesn't even deserve to have us. Well, he looks more like your grade 12 like geography teacher. Yeah, I was going to say, he looks coach, like a teacher. Right? <laughs> but, you know, I guess they figured it out because they made it into a series after looking like they had no chance the first two games. So it's it, it, they made it a series. But I picked Bucks thinking Bucks in seven, thinking that if this went the distance, eventually he'd figure it out and they could win in the seventh game. But I don't know. It's a it's a toss up at this point. You'd have to lean Boston more just because of home court. No. Yeah. 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 Home court. And again, it's why I picked them to win the series. Coaching. I hear you. I hear you. Shout out to President Brad Stevens. President Bill Brad Stevens. Call him, right. President uh, Brad Stevens. Let's talk about the final. The final uh, Eastern Conference series. Oh, yes. Can we please? Uh, your Philadelphia 76ers, Mr. Webster, won in five games, making relative quick work of the Miami Heat. Handling and, business. And, I mean, going back to our original take when the series started, and why on earth did Miami win the last game of the season so they would be matched up against the Sixers? I still don't know. But – now they have a lot of time to think about it as uh, they're on vacation. But series is over. It was an eventful night for Game 5 in Whoa. Philly as Philly's own Meek Mill was released from prison. and Finally. Finally. And you know what? I want to say something quickly off the top about this, right? And, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on on Twitter and memes and all this stuff. And I know that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are misunderstanding what's really going on because you just see the headlines on social media and it's like, oh, a lot of stars and other rappers and Robert Kraft and the owner and all these people, you know, it's kind of turned into a joke when really like this is a serious thing that happened in, sen- in this terms of, you know, righting wrongs of a, a really corruptive jail system or prison system that happens a in the United States of America. System. Absolutely. Justice system. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I think like, I don't want to lose, like, as we talk about how great it was that Meek Mill was there, and it was jokes, and there's some jokes, him and Kevin Hart and all that. I don't want to lose sight of the serious nature of what actually happened as well. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. I mean, Meek was in what, jail for a probation violation and mm-hmm. ended up being in jail for, what, like over a year? Well, here's well, this was a thing too, right? Because I found that in just – talking to a couple people about it they're kind of like you know if they didn't know who meek mill was they're like oh i know he's a rapper but like what's the story why is this a big deal right and basically what ended up happening was we'll, we'll tell the story to our listeners in case you don't know what's going on either but basically a philadelphia court ruled that meek mill could be free after it was revealed that the officer who arrested him back in 2007 was on a secret da's list of allegedly corrupt cops. So his time in jail resulted from an August 2017 arrest in New York City for allegedly driving a motorcycle recklessly while filming a music video. Now, first off, that is a technical term, right? Again, I'll say that. Driving a motorcycle recklessly while filming a music video. (laughs) So I'm going to put this in the layman's terms for people to understand, okay? I know I'm going to assume that most people have seen the movie Creed, right? Because that seems to be, right? Is that a safe assumption? So if you think there's a scene 
where they basically try to reenact, you know, the the famous Rocky scene running on the beach, you know, or Rocky, oh, not running down the beach, but running, uh, running downtown through the market. Philly. Yeah, running through the market. Yeah, that famous scene in Rocky. They basically redid that in Creed, but he's running to Meek Mill music, first off. Yeah. Creed or Michael B. Jordan is running to uh, Meek Mill, a Meek Mill song, but also in a modern day, like just what happens in Philadelphia yeah, is because all Philly's the guys a, ride. Yeah, it's Philly's Philly got culture, a crazy, right? A crazy bike scene, ATV scene. Yeah, you'll see him just driving down the road on like, you know, 611 down Broad Street. You'll see guys like a whole pack of dudes with six or seven riding on four wheelers. Exactly, right? So it's like a Philly culture thing. And yes, I will. I understand when people say, yeah, but if it's illegal, then it's illegal. Yes, I, I understand you letter of the law, motherfuckers. I understand what you're saying. But let's be serious for a second, right? You're filming a music video and now you're going to get arrested for recklessly driving a motorcycle in a, in a music video? Like what? That doesn't, that's stupid, right? So that's the other thing, right? If you remember, there are also issues with the judge in that case too, when there was a lot of shady things going on. And, you know, it's just a bigger story about reform and helping people yeah. who don't have the money or powerful connections that Meek Mill have, right? I just wanted to, to touch on that side of it because I feel like, you know, in this era of social media, things become just a joke and people don't get past the headline of, oh, Meek Mill went right from jail to the Sixers game to ring the bell. It's like, no, 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 it's bigger than that because of what he can represent to possible change to the justice system. Exactly. But if we if we switch gears, sorry to make things so serious there for a second, Webby, but I felt like that was important. No, but, yeah. Because um, you're right. A lot of people, like, for a lot of people, it was just like, oh, rapper got out of jail and went to a basketball game, but you're right. Yeah, exactly, right? Um so, yes, Meek Mill, courtside with his family. When people just say dumb things, too, because I realize we talk about it a lot. People don't read past headlines, right? And so people are like, what? Why did he go to a basketball game? Like, didn't he have to see his family? It's like his family was at the game, too. His son was sitting with him courtside at the game. Yeah. He actually went to the game, had a shower there. They had a change of clothes for him. They had a barber there for him. Like, it's not like, do you know what I mean? Like, he's wearing his prison jumpsuit <laughs> yeah, and just got on and sat jump. courtside. It's just like... I don't know. But anyways, it was a big night for Philadelphia because obviously that's their first playoff victory since the AI years, no? Uh, Series no, victory? No, 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 Did they, they won, win one of those years? Yeah, with remember they beat... Oh, uh, they had the upset. They beat the Bulls after D-Rose D Rose got up. hurt, yes. So let me rephrase that. Their first real playoff victory. Oh, uh, hey, <laughs> listen, it still counted. You, you go, ask Doug go ask Doug Collins if that series still counted. I know. I'm taking a cheap shot there at your guys. I'm taking a cheap shot at your guys, Webby. But a great moment nonetheless for Philly. And, you know, with Embiid back, the mask doesn't seem to be bothering him. Ben Simmons is cooking I would on say all that cylinders. the mask doesn't seem to be bothering him. You think it is bothering him? I would say it is not bothering oh, him. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Philly's looking really good. Since, yeah, man. I mean, look. A lot of people thought it would take a little while for them to get acclimated and getting Joel back. But, mm -hmm. guy, listen, he is the straw that stirs the drink. He is a friggin' boss down low. And, yeah. like, and like I was talking about, man, when, when that shot clock gets down and you need somebody to hit a shot, that's what he does. Mm -hmm. He is so talented. 
And then, listen, Ben Simmons, just an absolute gem. The team looks good. And honestly, when you take a look at every Eastern Conference team that's been playing so far in the first round, you got to say the Phillies look the best out of all of them, right? Oh, yeah. Well, the thing, too, with Philly and, and JoJo in particular, we talk so much about his numbers, but just even the way that he changes the game defensively, right? Like having him in the middle, you know, that that clogs up driving lanes. If they end up playing either of these teams, whether it's Boston or or Milwaukee, but more so Milwaukee, I'm thinking, right? And you try to stop Giannis or you try to stop Bledsoe from getting to the basket, you stick Embiid in there, that changes a lot of things in terms of what uh, – Milwaukee would be able to do against the Sixers going forward, right? And I just think Better he changes it. things so much. The way that that team's looking, I, I, I wrote it down too, just because I was I was taking in one of the games and when Embiid went to the bench, okay? Because we watch all basketball, right? I think a lot of Raptors fans' problems stem from the fact that, in case you didn't know, there's a rule let me. How should I phrase this? Well, first off, I think it stems from the problem that Raptors fans watch just Raptors games alone. So by doing that, you overvalue what you see because you're just used to seeing every single thing that Freddie does or that DeLon right. does. But it's also not Raptors fans' fault because there is a rule where in Canada they're not allowed to broadcast another game while a Raptors game is on the air. Right? So it's a very dumb rule. But the reason I bring this up is because we still find ways to watch a bunch of other different basketball, right? That's right. And you see a lot of things where I was just amazed with how good the Sixers were when they went to their bench, they took out Joel Embiid, right? And they went to this lineup that was Saric, Ilyasova, Bellinelli, Redick, and Simmons. And Ooh. I was just like, what? Like it just made and it was just basically Simmons driving in the paint or Simmons running fast breaks and just finding these guys on the perimeter just bombing threes. And I'm like, how do you match up against that? They made Whiteside basically null and void. He yeah, was absolutely. Invincible. But how do you stop that? The other great thing I, I too no about idea. that uh, the other underrated thing about that lineup is that it's it it's really good defensively. Yes. A lot that's better a, defensively good, than you think because obviously dumb people just lineup. look and see uh, four white guys and Ben Simmons and assume that they you don't know what think I mean? that Whereas J.J. Like, Reddick can lock you down on the perimeter, man. He's yes, a good defender. Exactly. Uh, the only <laughs> thing that gets me a little frustrated is that when I, I, I yell at the TV when I see Marco Bellinelli take J.J. Reddick shots. I just want <laughs> J.J. Reddick to take more shots. Uh, you know, it was funny. There's, I forget which game it was, but your boy uh, TJ McConnell came in and hit like Yo, an the, N1. Hold on. And he was hold, just shooting the was, guns. <laughs> he was doing the oh, Joel Embiid. Hold yes. on. Yo, <laughs> being real with you, TJ's had two really good games in that series. I'm not, no, I'm not mad at TJ McConnell. He's their backup point guard. How Dude, am I going to be mad at a backup point guard, right? He comes he, in, gives them energy. Keeps the offense flowing. He he's a, your your prototypical like all pass first energy point guy. Guard. All energy yeah. guy. All hustle, all heart. Especially at home in front of that home crowd. He knows how to get the crowd going. Like not mad at McConnell at all. Webby can't be mad at him. No, uh, but yeah, pick. Sixers looking great. Would you say they're the favorites in the East right now? Oh, you don't want to jinx it. They're my favorites. <laughs> I would no, you know what? I would still say the Raptors are. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, I feel like the world wants to see a Sixers versus Cavs conference final. 
I think yeah. that would just be amazing television. Uh, I don't think the Cavs would win, but I think LeBron would would go down fighting, and I think he would know he'd have to come out guns blazing from Jump Street. But oh man, I'd, that would be, I'd so be into that. I'd be into it. I think the basketball world would be into that. That would be absolutely incredible. But obviously, we're a long ways away from that. So I apologize, Raptor fans. I apologize, I know, you're gonna catch Indiana <laughs> fans. I apologize even to you, Washington fans, because you probably <laughs> still think you have a chance to beat the Raptors. <laughs> Heat fans, not so much. <laughs> Heat fans, not so much. Let's go to the West. And there's not too much to talk about in the West because, uh, first off, the Warriors win in five, right? Ho hum, no whatever. Deal. No big deal. I guess the big news is is Steph Curry going to come back right away for the start of that series against the Pelicans? Uh, I don't think he. I don't think he plays game one. Do you? I don't think so either, and I don't see the need to rush him back for game one. The only reason I could see them doing that is because they looked really shaky against the Spurs. Like they almost lost game five, right? And if that goes to six games, then you're you're really like they looked. They looked like they were struggling to get into an offense. They looked struggling to get people shots. Draymond had to put up like an old school Draymond like big boy game for yep. them to win that to win that series, right? And uh, yeah, going forward, I'm I kind of want to see them play without Steph Curry just because I want to see the Pelicans gain more confidence, right? Yeah. Like I, I want to see them kind of get a little extra pep in their step, thinking like, oh no, we're we can beat you. Like I know they think they can beat them. I want but, them. I want the. I, mean? I, I want the Warriors to have to play Steph. I oh, really, I, yes. I know it's not going to happen, but there'd be nothing better than for the yeah. Pelicans to come out game one and win it in in Golden State. How sweet would happen. that be? Who, who guards AD? Right, like I don't know if Draymond can guard AD. Like, does that? I have don't to be think eight, I don't think KD or AD can be stopped by conventional weapons. <laughs> true. You know what I mean? Very like, I, I don't know how. Like. Sure, you want to try and put KD on him? Go for it. You want to try and get put Draymond on him? Go for it. You want to try and switch it up? Maybe try and get Clay on him? Good luck. Yeah, I don't know. JaVale I, McGee? I don't know. We've seen such crazy stat lines already from a quick time sweep that these guys did to the to the Blazers. It seems like that series ended a long the, time ago, no? The other but, thing, too, is like, I mean, without Steph, you got to figure that Rondo is just licking his chops. For sure. I think even when Steph comes back in Rondo's mind, he still thinks that he's better than Steph. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Rondo thinks he's the best point guard in the league. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to see this. I think it'll be a fun series. I know people are kind of just penciling in Golden State to the conference finals, which cool. No, but I'm saying I understand why you would do that. But I feel like the Pellies... They're not going to just give up, right? That's not that's not that team at all. They are going to grind it out. Drew Holiday, we've seen the the level he has that next gear that yeah. we saw in the first round. So he's going to be fired up for that series. And remember, I think they took. I was going to say no, Webby. I think him and Rondo took that as a personal challenge that they heard everyone talking about CJ and Dame Lillard. And as we just said, Rondo thinks he's the best point guard in the league. So do you know what I mean? Like oh, when that yeah. happens. Now up that another level against the Warriors, these guys are sitting back just waiting for this matchup. They want this moment. And remember that that year that the Warriors uh, was it when they won the championship, and then their first round was against New Orleans oh, yeah, the in Pelts. AD, yeah, yeah. And, and that the, it was Game Four 
to complete the sweep. And it went into that crazy overtime. Remember, Davis had that crazy shot to send it yep. into overtime. No, like, no, I do. A little definitely. unfinished business there. A little unfinished business. I like it. Yeah, that'll I think be that, a whole lot of fun. And, and you know what? If uh, I, I'd love it if that one gets chippy, too, like we've been seeing in a lot of these series. And the way that a lot of these series are going, it will. We know Rondo will have a cheap foul or two on a, on a hobbling Steph Curry. We oh, know that's time. happening. Big time. Right? We know that's happening. Uh the all other team that made a quick exit out west were your Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, and, they made a good fight, though, I thought. for Like we said, the, that contrast of styles between what, how they play and, mm-hmm. and how the Rockets played, I, I'm happy for them that they got one game. They got one win in front of their home crowd. They were kind of hanging close, and then... They gave up a 50-point quarter, which yeah. I didn't even think that was possible <laughs> as a thing to happen. Imagine that. 50 points in a quarter? Like, what? That's not a thing. When like, you that can't chuck, be a thing. When you chuck it like the Rockets, it's going to happen sometimes. Yeah, right? And I, I feel like at the end of the day, you look at that team and you see everything that's going on. You know, just just Chris Paul fit in. The biggest question heading into the year, could Chris Paul and – and James Harden coexist. They're both ball dominant, blah, blah, blah. And like, yep, 50-point quarter, cool, no problem. <laughs> yeah. There's one game they won that James Harden didn't even play well in, right? Like, Yeah. It's, yeah, the Rockets, the Rockets are going to be good, but. They're just going to have to stop people. Yeah. They're going to have to stop. Well, I don't know. I think in their mind they could just outscore everyone. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't know if that's a thing. It'll be fun to watch, though. It'll be fun to watch either way. Um, and as they continue to move on, they'll be waiting to play the winner of maybe arguably, after last night's game anyways, could be turning into the best first-round series of the playoffs, right? The Jazz and Thunder. Unbelievable. I thought last night. What I thought it was Oklahoma, what, what Oklahoma City did last night is a series turner. I thought that Utah, I, I, you know, that was it for the Thunder. I thought, you know, when I saw the Mitt Romney waving bye bye to <laughs> Westbrook after the fourth foul, I was like, yo, you like we spoke about, you're either stunting or you're getting stunting on. And <laughs> Mitt Romney was stunting on Russell Westbrook. <laughs> And I thought it was done, but man, I'll tell you, you come back twenty-five down. Yeah, that's twenty-five that's points a, down. I thought it was over. I, I'm not going to lie to you. That's a series I, turner, man. Because now, anytime Oklahoma City gets down in a game, mm-hmm. it's in the back of their minds. It's in the front of their minds. A couple it, interesting things it's here. Not right? going to be a big First, deal for them. I looked away and I thought that the game was over. I thought it was full on one, two, three, Cancun. Yeah. All of a sudden, though. Mass comeback, and here's the thing. This massive comeback happened with Carmelo Anthony on the bench. Uh, now, yeah, because Carmelo saying, is washed. <laughs> I'm not saying, but I'm saying this major comeback happened with Melo on the bench. And Russ, the other major thing for me was, you know, how th- quickly things change from night to night in the playoffs in both sports, whether you're talking about hockey or the NBA. But it's so funny to watch because after that game four, everyone is just crushing Russell Westbrook, all the Russell Westbrook haters, like everything that has ever been negatively said about Russell Westbrook came Amplified, out after game yeah. four. And 
everyone was just shitting on him. There were so many terrible takes going on about Russell Westbrook. And then he follows that up with a crazy game last night. Oh. Russ comes back in full force. He, I think he shot like 39 times last night, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is just crazy, right? Like, how do you shoot 39 times? I, I don't know. But if there's someone that would do it, it's your man's Russ. And he just had this crazy, crazy game, Webby, where it's one of those, it's a reminder that we need to chill a little on how we view Russell Westbrook as a player, no? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I understand why he's divisive and the style of play um, and and the per- perception. Now, you and I don't share this, but the perception of stat chasing. To people our age, to not the hoity-toity sports writer generation that's a little bit ahead of us, Yeah, that doesn't matter, man. We know that Russell Westbrook is one of uh, of a singular talent in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Somebody who can do that, who can lead you back from 25 down, who's not afraid, who has no conscience in taking 39 shots because he thinks that all 39 of them are going in. Yeah. And that's the thing too, right? Like we don't care because we were just talking about, you know, sometimes things gets too things get way too focused in on stats, right? And admittedly so. We're talking we're celebrating how You know, last year, Russ had a triple-double. He was an MVP. His triple-double was amazing. This year, he gets a triple-double, and everyone's like, oh, he was stat-chasing. And it's like, what? Yeah, he's not in the top five MVP vote. Yeah, all of a sudden, his triple-double this year doesn't mean nearly as much as a triple-double last year, which doesn't really make much sense to me. But to me, it's not even about that. It's just watching a dude play. And I was having this conversation, another conversation I was having with Mikal, because I said to him, I was like, I don't know. I think it might come out that Russ is hurt. And then... In game three, he came out and he had those bandages wrapped like all over his upper body. Yeah. That was a Mitt Romney game, right? And when he called out Ricky Rubio, which for sure, he brings on a lot of the negativity himself. When you're calling out Ricky Rubio like that and then your team gets blown out, you're going to get a lot of shade. But at the end of the day, to me, to follow up on what you just said, Webby, Russell Westbrook epitomizes everything that we love about the modern day athlete and especially in the NBA. Someone who will always speak their mind. He's not always going to sit there and just give the cookie cutter post-game scrum or post-game interview. He's going to be honest. He's also a guy that goes out there and he's going to bust his ass each and every game. You don't have to worry about that. But also he's out there having fun. Right, like you see him come in with the outfits, you see him come in and give his personality. We feel like we know who Russell Westbrook is. He's active on social media. Do you yeah. know what I mean? We as fans feel like we have a relationship with him. We have a vested interest, and in whether you like him or dislike him, it's him that we're seeing. And I think right? that's go. I think that goes into a big part about how he's judged too, mm-hmm. because of his like he is a singular talent in the NBA. But he's also a singular personality in the NBA. Yes. And he goes and he definitely bucks a lot of trends of what we expect, not just in an athlete, but in a professional basketball player. For sure. Totally. Totally. And I think it, you know, whether you don't like his shot selection because he shoots too much for what a point guard is or whatever, you know, the way that people judge him is always baffling to me, right? Because one of the things we talked about before I know was since 2011, right? From, the, from 2011 to 2016, I think it was, every time that Russ, Katie, and Serge were all healthy, they made it at least to the conference finals. 
right? Yeah. And everyone talks about, oh, you can't win with Russ. You can't win with Russ. I'm like, what are you talking about? They've already won with Russ, right? They've made it to an NBA Finals with Russ. They made it to a Conference Finals with Russ. In fact, just before KD left, they were one game away from another NBA Finals with Russ. And I, I just feel like all this talk about you can't win with them, but, you know, so you're giving KD all the credit? For those wins or those conference finals appearances you know what i mean nobody says oh well you can't win with kd until he goes to golden state with three other all-stars right but nobody was saying you can't win with kd it, right. it's just a weird a weird thing for me I just and i wonder what it is is it because people don't like how he dresses like it's too much for them it's it's too me 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 yeah and not only that but i think that when you're seen as a professional basketball player, you have to fit into a certain box in terms of not just with how you dress, but with um, with how you speak, with how you interact with the media, with how you interact with uh, your teammates, yeah, uh, with fans, and and Westbrook is kind of is a unto his own. Yeah, for sure, he's a different dude, for sure. And you know one thing too, like it's funny because the way that we look at Russ, we think of him as like this like crazy character. I shouldn't say crazy because that's not. But the right that's what I mean. I is that, but he's in a like been married forever. Uh, yeah. Like donates cars to uh, underprivileged people around the Oklahoma City area. Like super Definitely. active in his community and all of these things. But because of that personality not fitting in in that box it's seen as different and weird and other and it's really strange it is and and really like if you I, and it, for to me, me it, it's a deeper problem because to me it shows like you know what our preconceived notions are about certain people of certain backgrounds i'll say and i'm being very politically correct see but, i was gonna ask you do you think because it's it's funny because we're talking about the nba and i don't know like with westbrook i'm Listen, you know, 90% of the NBA is African-American, 90% of the NBA is black, and mm -hmm. Russell Westbrook is an African-American NBA superstar that doesn't fit into the African-American NBA superstar mold. And it's weird because that is usually seen as a negative connotation, right? If you yeah. say to somebody, oh, he's just like an NBA player, you know, yeah. a thug NBA exactly. player. Exactly, but because and that's he so goes not him, yeah. But because he goes against that, it almost seems like he gets shit on by the media for not fitting into that box. Does that make sense? I just think the things that we give certain athletes, and I'm saying certain athletes, again, being very politically correct with how I word this, because I'm talking across all sports, right? Some of the things I hear people say about Russell Westbrook, and it's like, hold on, things that you would give other athletes credit for, like being married, being a good father, being a good husband. Being right? a philanthropist, like, being, like active yeah. in your community, yeah. We don't talk about all that because he wears a terrible shirt into the into the arena. Do you know what I mean? Like to me, it's so. But dumb, also but because he doesn't flaunt that stuff either. Also true. Also true. No, that's 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 totally a factor in it, right? And I, I just think you know he is such a, a good dude, and he's not one of these guys that has a huge entourage. He's basically with like his family. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's I think it's his cousin or his brother that he's always oh, it's his brother he's always with. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't have like a big entourage or anything. Like one of the things that really 
when you go back to KD leaving, they were just kind of in different parts of their life too, right? Like KD was in and out of relationships. He was single at the time. Russ, meanwhile, was settling down, I think either getting married or was at least well on his way to getting married. So right. it's not like you're living the same lifestyle on the road in terms of going out and, you know, not partying, but you know what I mean? Just like going out. Oh, like, yeah. Hey, I'm tired. I'm going to my room. I'm going to fucking FaceTime my wife or whatever, right? Like they're just in different stages of their life too, but – I feel like, again, if I told you all those things about another athlete and I'll say a baseball player or a hockey player, you'd be like, oh, that's a good – that's a really good guy. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But but, or he's a with, great competitor. He's, but that's the right? thing We'd with, love those things about Russ, that he's a great competitor and he's a grinder on the ice and blah, 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 right? But that's the thing with anything, whether it's hockey, baseball – basketball yeah. whatever it's like if you do your reading on somebody and really get to like delve into their personality and who they are a lot of times you see pages that people who are lazy just glaze over well i told this story on a very early episode of this podcast uh i think it was maybe heading into the season and it was talking about when uh the thunder sideline reporter was pregnant and yes, yes. she'd been on the road for a really long time and she'd had kind of like an interesting back and forth with Russ. They'd always got along. Everything was always cool. But Russ sometimes doesn't want to talk to the media and he's sometimes surly with the media because he doesn't want to do it. Right. But it's his real like opinion. And then eventually he, you know, he started playing along more because he understood the value of doing the local media because like those are your fans. Those are the people that ride or die with you. Right. Yeah. And it's so not like they a got national along. media thing. And she's like, yeah, they were fine, but she never really thought anything much more than that, right? They were cool. They got along. Obviously, you work with each other professionally every day. But then after a long road trip, he said, oh, come with me. I got something for you. And they go to her, to his car, and he pulls out like the top of the line, top of the line, top of the line, top, 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 baby stroller, right? right? And she's just like uh, – like she was so caught off guard. And she's like, oh, thanks. Uh Thank you so much. Like she was so caught off guard, right? Because again, it's not what your perception of Russell Westbrook would be, right? And so she's like, she's like, oh, thanks. And and she's and it had like, again, it's top of the line. So you're talking about all these great features and all this stuff that go along with it. And then she went to Russ's wife to say, Oh, thank you. Like, that's really good. Like, it's such a great thing. It has all these great features. And Russ's wife was like, Actually, I don't know anything about it, really. Like, that was all Russ. Like, he looked it all up. <laughs> he researched it. He bought it. Like, he – that was all Russ. And she was like, oh, my God. And at the time, she didn't even want to tell the story, right? Because, again, exactly what it's you said. It's a private Debbie. moment, too, Yeah, right? and he's not doing it for that. Like, he's doing it, like, as a normal, like, good thing to do, yeah. right? And I think those are the things that I always find funny when people are just like chopping this guy down because he goes hard on 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 in the, in between the lines, right? I find that just so funny. And you know, hey, this hasn't worked out this season as well as people have wanted it to work out, or maybe as much as we thought it would work out. But it's completely unfair for it to all fall on Russell Westbrook if this doesn't work in Oklahoma City and they get bounced in the first round. Right. That's basically my point. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a very good point. The other, the other part to this, too, and obviously, hey, the Jazz could win in six, they could win in seven, whatever, and move on. And people will look at this and be like, oh, that's a huge disappointment. But the reality is, 
I don't know if people realize Utah went like something like 40 and 20 down the stretch once Rudy Gobert came back and their team was basically like settled into the team that we see now. Like, well, I think they were like 40 and 20 and like 11 of those losses were before Christmas. Right. So like, hold on now. It would be a huge disappointment if the Thunder were bouncing in the first round. For sure. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's not a disappointment for the Thunder. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that Utah is a lot better of a team than people think they are including what OKC thought they were heading yeah. into this series, right? Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think if, if you told Russell Westbrook, we were talking about Rondo, right, and how players, the views that certain players have of themselves, right? If you were to tell Russell Westbrook that Ricky Rubio would be giving him the business, Russ would laugh at you, right? If you told Paul George that Joe Ingles would be getting the better of him, he'd laugh at you. I don't think that these guys thought that, you know, the jazz were that good, right? Like they underestimated them. And I think they got punched in the face and that's what, that's what we're seeing now. And now they're in a fight for their lives. But I'm saying if they do go down in the first round, I mean, got to give a lot of, a lot of flack will go to OKC, but we should be giving a lot of love to Utah. I guess that's Uh, the point I'm trying to make. That's a great point. Yes, absolutely. Donovan Mitchell, you got Donovan Mitchell love yet or no? Listen, yeah, Donovan, <laughs> Donovan Mitchell's a great player. I'm trolling and, you, Webby. I'm just trolling you, man. <laughs> and he's like the second coming of Dwayne Wade. Now, is he the rookie of the year? Guy, come on. No, he's not. No, he's, he's, he's not. Uh, that's amazing, Webby. Well, I guess we'll we'll finish up with our Ask on Blast. And uh, are you caught up on Atlanta? Yes, I am caught up on Atlanta. Like, uh, how, like... A real horror, a horror movie season vibe. Right? Like Very, it got real serious again. Now, and then the other thing, it's like the thing with Darius, Darius's episode as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, how awesome was that little scene of uh, Paperboy lying on the couch and him dreaming about his mom behind him? See, that was so funny. I was going to bring that up because it was Memmy and Faisal today that were like, oh, yeah, that was a dream sequence. And I'm like, that didn't even click in my head. Like, I wasn't I just, even fully taking it in and paying attention to what just happened. Because so, it's so subtle. Yeah. But the way that it's built into his character just through that episode and, like, mm-hmm. him getting the text messages. Yeah. I, like, it's just awesome, man. Like, there's no other show out there like it. Now, in terms of half-hour shows... I don't think anything's going to beat The Simpsons, but okay. I, I will tell you that Atlanta is getting close, man. It is Atlanta is really good. It's such a good show. As you said, it's well acted. You don't know where it's going at any turn. The way that they – because there's a message, right? They've kept the overall theme of Robin season, obviously, right? Yeah. But just the, the, the arc that we're seeing now from Paperboy in terms of – his character trying to figure it out. And, and that whole episode was basically a bunch of different people trying to get him to start taking shit seriously, yeah. right? Like step his game up. And if you're doing this for real, you got to do it for real, you know? And it was, he got that in many different ways, whether it was from that, the uh, date, that bootleg Cardi B or whoever that character <laughs> yeah, was supposed yeah, to be. Instagram do you know what I mean? Model. The Instagram model. Yeah. Whether it was the dudes that robbed him on the street when he walks up to the kids and they're like, Hey, Oh, you're just trying to keep it real. You're just huh? trying to keep it real. Yeah. That, and then I they fuck about him up too. and take his shit, right? And it's it was just a, a, an interesting lesson. And I wonder where where do you think it's going? Like it looks like it's going towards him and Ern splitting, no? Yeah. 
Well, the you know what? I think it's got to do more with uh, Paperboy leaning into what he's chosen. Like, I think this whole episode that just happened was a lot of like self actualization of Paperboy and what he's chosen for himself. Uh, like, okay. nobody forced him into uh, using his talent for his living. And I think that the, that little scene at the end with the kid in the store, yes. it's like I think that it's going to be way more leaning into becoming the paper boy, you know, uh, becoming the artist. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. Now, is he going to split with Ern? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But, of course, they're family, right? So they're always going to be in each other's lives. But well, you know what I want? Too- I want no, more. Sorry. I want more Tracy or – is it Tracy or Terry? Yeah, I think it is Tracy. It's no, Tracy. Yeah. The, I need more We him. haven't seen him in a couple episodes. Right? I know, man. I miss him. He's the best. I was going to say, we haven't seen the serious Urn episode, right? We got the serious Paperboy episode. Or I guess the serious Urn episode was when they When they went to the German town, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that was a serious Urn episode. But That was the Urn van relationship episode. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, good stuff from Atlanta, and you mentioned that you did get caught up on Billions, no? Well, okay, so I didn't watch la- – was la- – wait, 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 sorry. Was Yeah, I think I'm one behind on Billions. I did okay. see the – but did you per- see the Chuck Sr. episode? <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah, I did. How yeah. good was that? <laughs> it, was too, it was pretty good. It was two <laughs> scenes, two, two strong scenes by uh, a good performance from Chuck Sr., so good. I, I really enjoy the show. I will say that this next episode you will uh you know what? I'm not even gonna say anything. I don't wanna I don't wanna ruin don't anything spoil for it. you. I don't wanna spoil anything. I want you to go in with a clear mind. Okay, good. Just just enjoy. Um but yeah, I guess the last question for you, Webby, that I have is how are you enjoying Kanye's tweets? So okay, now this could turn into a whole another hour long because I got <laughs> I've got serious thoughts. I really do. Okay. Now, and and listen, it, this could, you know, I I don't want to get myself into trouble. Okay. Okay. But I have no problem with what Kanye is saying at all. None. Here's the thing. In I think I think I think that the outrage culture, yeah. that social media and uh, being online all the time, that's been slowly creeping into our world, slowly creeping over the past decade. Yeah. Of anytime somebody says something, that's it for them. You know, yeah. we've got we've got your tweets. We, we, we can we saw it with Josh Allen. I'm watching the NFL draft. We saw it with Josh Allen. Oh, Josh, we got your tweets. Yeah. Okay. There's a record of everything that you're saying, and we're gonna mm-hmm. bring you out, and we're gonna you're gonna be judged for everybody to see. But what if you do that to somebody who doesn't give a shit? All right. Now, Kanye, Kanye isn't the same Kanye that he was when he said George Bush doesn't care about black people. Those are two different people. One of them, he was just starting out. Now, Kanye has oodles of money, different problems, a different life. Okay? He's if, hanging in different circles. His life is just different. And I'm not here to, to stick up for Kanye and what he's saying about Trump and whatever. No, no. Fuck I'm, Donald Trump, man. Fuck yeah, Donald the, Trump. The, but if Kanye, wants, want, if Kanye wants us to support Donald Trump... That's his God-given right. He owes nobody anything. For sure. Totally. And I thought it was very interesting, too. I don't know if you saw he was – well, I mean, he tweeted a lot over the past week. But today he was tweeting out a text message conversation he had with John Legend. With John Legend, yeah. 
And it was super interesting because John Legend was just letting him, reminding him, you know, that you have a lot of people that take what you say as gospel and you have a lot of influence and what you say, you got to be careful sometimes if you are just joking around or whatever, you got to know that there are people that take what you say super seriously. Right. And I thought that was an interesting part of it, but the real reason I bring this up and the real thing I want to get off my chest about this whole situation, right. Is I get so frustrated sometimes when people think that you, it has to be always all or nothing with anything. And it's like a hundred percent. Nobody is like that. Nobody's life is like that. I'm not going to agree 100% with anybody on anything, no matter who it is. So I love Kanye's music. Kanye is one of the greatest musical performers of my generation of all time, right? Like I will always ride or die for Kanye's music. He's a musical genius. Culturally, he has done a lot. And inspirationally, I can say, He's done and said a lot that are like quotes I will live by forever. With that said, there are also a lot of other things that I'm always like, oh, okay, that's kind of fucked up, right? Like, I'll never understand the whole Kardashian thing. No. I have my theories, but also I don't know, Kim. I have no idea. Who knows? But you know what? It Did does, I still love not- the life of Pablo? Yes, yeah, that shit it's, bumped. Right? It's not going to stop me from loving fucking Jesus, man. Yes, exactly. So my point is you don't have to love all like, hey, Webby, you're my dude. I'm not going to agree with every single thought and belief that you have, right? Like, and that's, you're still my dude. You're always going to be my dude. You know what I'm course, saying? Like, it's it just because there's levels fucking, to it. Because that's fucking boring to agree with somebody 100% of the time and have a whole society agreeing on one thing or another and then ostracizing anybody who doesn't think the same way you do. That's not good, man. It's not good. So if Kanye wants to – like I I couldn't believe the – well, I could believe it just because in the society that we live now. Especially in the States. But, man, it's like – it's – this is Kanye West we're talking about here. We're not talking about somebody like, I don't know. Obama. Right? You know? <laughs> this is a guy who makes records for a living. Amazing <laughs> records. And, and yeah. I, I, I keep going back to one of my favorite Kanye songs of all time is Waves. Yeah. And featuring notorious, terrible person, Chris Brown. Yep. But just because Chris Brown is an awful person who's done horrific things doesn't make waves slap any less hard. Exactly. And I feel like, especially as adults, and I know this sounds super weird, especially as how divisive things are in the States and everyone's a part of a gang, right? Whether you're Trump, whether you're Republican, whether you're Democrat, whether you're whatever, right? We have to be smart enough as adults to be able to separate things, right? And you can rock with someone for one thing and dislike them for another thing. And we're all complex people. It's not as simple as every single thing Kanye does I love. That's not human. That's not real. That's not real life. But anyways, yes, you're right. This could go on for a whole other hour. But, you know, if we did that, Webby, then we wouldn't have enough time to watch and talk about more basketball. And that's really why we're here, right? Hey, we got a game seven coming Saturday. Looks like Bucks and, and Boston. Let's get it on. At least one game seven. Maybe we'll have a couple more. And, you know, we'll be back here next week to either be talking about those game sevens and also, I guess, the next round of series as well as 
one of my favorite, favorite NBA playoffs so far continues. We'll be right here to break it all down next week on the Ball on Blast podcast. But in the meantime, if you want to catch up and let me know what you think, let us know what you think. You can find us on social media. My name on Twitter is Shell at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Webby, where can the people find you? On Twitter and Instagram, it's the same. It's at a Webster eighty four, and just give me about fifteen twenty more minutes for the Eagles to make their first pick of the NFL draft. And by the way, they're they're picking last, Shelley, in the draft. The, the really? Eagles, Why is the that? Eagles? Because they won the fucking Super Bowl. <laughs> That's I why they're picking that last. I, That's I why they're picking that. last. I let you have that one, Webby. You know why? Because I'm a team player. I like it. I appreciate it. As always, until next time, we are the Ball on Blast podcast. Unpolished and unapologetic. Until next week, see ya. Peace. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast podcast network. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Ball on Blast.